All right, hello, welcome to episode number 30. We've turned 30, approaching our midlife crisis of the At U2 podcast, talking all things U2, album news, tour dates, community discussions from the staff of At U2. I am joined this episode by Sherry. Hello, Sherry. Greetings, everybody. You and I will be uh, taking part in the, what I, I term, and you probably term, the relatively boring accent portion of the podcast. <laughs> And uh, bringing in the more exciting portions of the podcast, accent portion of the podcast, anyways, is uh, Mr. Kenny. Hello, Kenny. Hey, how are you, how are you doing? I'm doing well. <laughs> I feel like sorry, I... Went, I went for a bit of an extra Scottish bit there. Sorry <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, that's, no, that's all good. I think that's half the reason people tune in is just to hear something different than my poor Canadian accent. And also joining us is uh, Mr. Aaron, or Ivan, depending on the day. How's it going? Hello. Welcome back to the show. Nice to Aaron. speak to everybody again tonight. Yep, it's been a, f- a few podcasts since I last joined, but I'm looking forward to tonight. Yeah, it was nothing personal, but uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Matt is away on assignment. So he'll be back. Uh, well, we've plenty to talk about then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we get going too far into the show, we just wanted to, we're recording this on the day of the news, obviously, of uh, the passing of Prince, uh, artist, rock star, musician, um, and, uh, and so just without, it'd be, we'd be remiss. I think if we didn't at least mention it, there's plenty of, uh, you know, obvious, not so obvious U2 connections and, and obviously just as a, as fans of, of bands and, and artists and things like this, um, obviously 2016 has been kind of a rough year for musicians and we can all appreciate the, um, the, the fan community of Prince and, and just in general, obviously, uh, you know, an artist of his stature and, and history passing on rel- fairly unexpectedly anyways, um, on this day. And so obviously thoughts go out to his family and to the fans and, and, uh, any of you have sort of some comments or thoughts to, to chime in with here? Yeah. I mean, for me, Prince, um, is one of my all time favorites. I mean, I, it's awful to say, but I'm a huge collector of Prince memorabilia and records same with bowie as well so i feel it's like real double devastation this year and you're right 2016 has been absolutely horrendous i mean i was a fan of his songs they're just brilliant the tunes are just wonderful brilliant melodies um and of course prince is just the most incredible musician incredibly gifted i don't think personally i've ever seen a better guitar player live and of course he's not just a guitarist he was keyboard player played drums everything um, you know, I go back to think the 21 nights he played at the O2 in London in 2007. I'm sure that's still a record to this day. I don't think anybody's played the O2 as much as Prince did. And of course, that was just that whole month in, uh, I think it was August 2007. And as a fan, um, you know, if you followed Prince, he released so many albums, so many tracks were released. It was quite ridiculous. I certainly couldn't keep up with, with him. Um, and we've, you know, he's, he's, um, been part of the, the whole music industry for so long, you know, when albums were selling the millions, he then had his problems with Warner brothers back in the mid nineties. He changed the way records were going to be sold. He really had his own record label. He very much actually not particularly in favor of digital music, but he was so ahead of his time, both musically, culturally just like Bowie in that respect. And, uh, you know, uh, everything he did was so effortless, magical. And uh, he's totally unique in his crossover. He was unable to merge his rock guitar into soul and pop music. Unlike you too, he won an Oscar. He won many Grammys. And I think we'll not see his like again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sherry, how about you? Anything to add? Um, well, I, I, as a child of the eighties, it was impossible not to get, um, get all wrapped up in, in the, uh, uh, in the purple rain era and, and all of that stuff. Um, but I, I, I really never, um, got into his music, um, in the, in the way that so many others have, um, but you know when when you get that type of news, it's it's just a, a a sucker punch to the to the soul because you know the um, the uh, impact that this individual has had on so many, and you know this has just been a really hard uh, four to five months of, of of so much genius leaving the planet. Um, but you know we we uh, we. We were going through some um, quotes, and, uh, and Bono had discussed Prince a few times in um, Michka Asayas's uh, um, uh, uh, conversation book. And, and Bono said uh, something along the lines of, um, "These white rock stars—they think they're authentic, and that Prince is just some sort of showbiz Christmas tree. But he has more soul in his little finger than a whole harbor full of these rock bands." And I think that Bono nailed the <laughs> the uh, 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 the whole aura of um, of him Prince. You know, it 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 was his being and. And uh, um, when it comes to artistry, you know, he he certainly made um, um, made it known that um, nobody's going to mess with him. You know, from from uh, changing his uh, name to that to that symbol or the artist formerly known as, and writing "slave" on his cheek and and all that stuff. Uh, there's 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 going to be um, a lot in the coming days and and uh, weeks, much like what we saw with uh, um, Bowie upon his passing, uh, because Prince Prince was out there. He was he was performing. He was just as relevant, uh, uh, you know, a week ago as as he was two two decades ago. So you know, I think you know we're only hours after the um, uh, the uh, announcement, and it's and and it just hasn't sunk in. You know, he was only 57, and and then you start to think, oh my God, you know, Bono's turning 56, uh, 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 um, Adam's 56. You know, it it really puts a mortality on on things, and and uh, um, it's it it's just something that boggles the mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, I mean, everybody knows it's part of life, but it doesn't. Uh, and I think it's accelerated definitely in terms of our access to social media and collectively grieving in a way that twenty years ago, for you know, I, I was thinking about like my parents' generation and and going through the various because they would have had obviously <laughs> nobody's lived forever, and so they would have had their own moments like that. But you just it's somehow you feel it even more when you see you're reminded of you know song appearances or, or live appearances and songs and things that uh, everybody's sharing memories, obviously, and thoughts about Prince today, uh, like you said, as they did with when, when Bowie passed. And so you're just kind of like confronted with it more and, and it is, which is good. Like it's, I'm not complaining at all, but, um, and it definitely feels, it feels like I'm with you, Sherry, I think being a child of the eighties as well too, where you're kind of like, no, this is too soon. There's still 
they're still young. They're not, they're still performing. Like he was just on stage a week ago or whatever, or even less than I think. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's just too, and, and especially when they don't have, an, at least to our knowledge, uh, you know, just like with Bowie too, where it wasn't public that he had a, a, a disease and a sickness that he was actually fighting. And, and so people are, are caught really unaware and, uh, and yeah, there's reasons obviously for that and stuff. But anyways, we, we definitely just want to uh, remember Prince and, and thank Thank you for his music, for his contribution to this this world of creativity and arts that we celebrate with you two and uh, as part of this podcast and part of the website, of course. So, um, yeah, I wish we could. It, <laughs> the irony, I know Matt was tweeting about this a bit. Irony is that Prince often went after sort of fans and stuff for recording and probably wouldn't be in favor of somebody you know, using his music in a podcast or something like that. So we can't put something in here as a segue. But that being said, go listen to some music by Prince this week and uh, just be reminded. Um, let's move on to the uh, Ask You 2 questions portion of the show. We just have a couple of questions from some listeners that you can send in yourself if you want on Twitter. If you use hashtag Ask You 2 it'll get tagged by the robots and thrown into the show here. And uh, so first one comes from at Robo, Rob, Robono, Robono? Robono, 23. <laughs> is there a YouTube show that an audio recording does not exist for? And if so, which one really hurts? And I know, Aaron, you had wanted to answer this first, anyways, if you had a thought. Well, I, I'm a big fan of the early U2, the pre, pre-boy history. And, you know, That's if you ever go up to... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going back to the late 70s. And some of the things that I used to do when I was collecting early songs was literally just finding bootlegs and whatever, of course, all pre-internet. And uh, this would be, you know, you'd be going to record fairs and finding other sellers with uh, cassette recordings and you'd be swapping tapes, etc. And uh, so that whole period for me of the very early shows, um, there's there's bound to be some concerts that, you know, we we still haven't uh, got on, uh, on audio recordings shared on the internet which will contain songs that you two have never recorded. So we know the song titles, we know some bad lyrics. I'm talking of songs like Concentration Cramp. I guess this is now moving into the more nerdy uh, U2 uh, fan, and like myself, of course. Um, but um, that I think that whole era of hearing U2 develop as a band, literally as Bono would describe them, you know, um, a garage band in garage. Garage Land, I think that era of U2 for me is something that I wish really did exist. And that's the one that for me that really hurts is that we've got no real um, audio history of U2 as a fledgling band. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that's something we talked about a bit on the tours episode uh, last time, right? Am I on my right mm. timeline, I think, here? Um, and, uh, and actually in tours.u2.com slash song slash concentration dash cramp, which the link will be in the show notes. But you can see the re- the at least known times anyways, it was, that song has, was played. And yeah, like you said, early, early Irish shows as late as uh, 1979, December 1st, 1979, I guess, was the last time that uh, yeah, that we have record of anyway. So, um, mm. first of all, there's no shame in, in we're, we're talking on a podcast about you two. So there's nothing too nerdy for, for, talking, <laughs> for as far as you two fans go or whatever. But for you, is it the part of it that, uh, I, I forget who I was asking in the last episode, was it like the collector aspect of it or just wanting a completion or is it also the music and the, the history that you're after? Yeah. A bit of combination of all of those things. I think it is the collector collectomania part of it for me it's a bit like those those fans who were desperate 
to um, see the video for Red Hill Mining Town, and eventually you two pushed that out when they did the Joshua Tree uh, remastering. And once it's out, actually, you watch it, and you never watch it again, certainly in my case, you know, but I was always wanting to see Red Hill Mining Town video, and I don't think I've watched it since the, the moment it, I looked, you know, put on the DVD. But, uh, yeah, I, th- 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 that whole period fascinates me, and that that's really... Uh, Something you know, all the YouTube books that came out like uh, from that period. I I just I can just read and read and read them for for such a long time, and um, you know, some of my cousins in in Ireland, you know, they would have seen uh, U2 in those early days, and you know, they they're not big U2 fans by any way means, but they would have heard those songs, but haven't got a clue what I would be referring to. They don't quite have the history. Um, that I have with the band, but um, for me, that that whole era is a time capsule. That if it was a band of today starting out, there'll be somebody recording it. Undoubtedly, we're of course back in the day, no such thing. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really surprised at how many recordings exist from those early days. That yeah. somebody had the yeah. wherewithal, you know. Um, yeah. You know, even I'm sure. I'm, I'm going, sure that they, they exist. Seventy nine. Who would have thought, you know? Yeah. Well, if anybody would have recorded them, I'm sure it would have been Joe Hurley because he, he's the most likely one to record a show. And I'm sure in some form or other they do exist. Um, I mean, there are some official recordings that have emerged on bootlegs from the National Stadium show back in February 1980, I think that one is. That was broadcast live on RTE, which is the national radio station in Ireland. And I think even back in um, the Cork, they they supported uh, the horse slips back in 1979, and you know that that appears to have been broadcast on television. That particular show that's available in audio, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence. We you know we've we've tried so hard the tours team to find some clips or some somebody who would be associated with either U2 or with horse slips, but it doesn't seem to be anything about that. And that would be fascinating because we've all seen the uh, the little bits of U2 from 1978, 79 on the television, um, whether it's songs like um, Life in a Distant Planet or whatever. And, you know, it's quite funny when you see U2 um, nearly 40 years ago now, you know, when they're all 18 years old. When they were actually old. punk? Yeah, yeah, that's right. More punk in the monkeys, as they say. <laughs> funny, funny for for me actually. When I saw that, I was in a kind of sort of, uh, I was in a different place when I saw that question because I actually I'm not a huge uh, lover of um, you know live audio recordings of you two. Uh, and when I yeah. say that, I mean obviously I love the band and stuff like that, but I, I prefer being there. Um, so it raises that kind of sort of jealous aspect in me that I. I wasn't there, so it's not something I actually go and, and listen to. But, of course, the irony behind that as well is that, um, uh, obviously, when Under a Blood Red Sky came out, um, okay, it's not quite the same thing, but that was one of the things that got me really hooked into them. But you 2 for me, live, being in the same room with them is, is where it's at. Um, and so, actually, I don't think, for me, anything would hurt in relation to that. I, I think I probably, and probably also, I think, Maybe when they've given up and decided to um, uh, throw in the towel, so to speak, and, and go off and retire gracefully somewhere, that's maybe where I would go start seeking that stuff. Because there's a wee bit for me which feels like um, it, it, it's something that as long as they're out there and they're still alive, um, 
that's where I I want them to be and, mm-hmm. and not in an audio. So I know that's a slightly taking us off on a, a bit of a tangent, but that's what went through my mind when I saw that. Kenny, I will be more than happy to ship you off all of my uh, uh, spools of CDs whenever you're ready for them. I'll be that. Yeah. I'll be happy to pass them along. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> for for me, it's it's more along the lines of um, the trading circuit and people who would do the tape trades or the CD trades. Now, now it's it's the um, it's the downloads and all that. People who hold back because they want that unicorn show, you know, um, so they mm. feel that their recording is is so rare that they're holding off until you offer up a rare one yourself. You know, um, I'll use as an example, uh, we were, um, a, f- a bunch of my friends and I, and I've written about this, were allowed in for the um, uh, St. Patrick's Day um uh, sound check in 92 in Boston. Well, what I didn't say in my, my writing, and I'm sure I'm probably opening up a whole can of uh, worms here is we did smuggle in a, a tape recorder and we did smuggle in all of the, uh, uh, appropriate, uh, uh, blank tapes. And we did record that sound check. And and the people who I was with held on to that recording for God knows how long. And I knew it existed because I helped them smuggle it in. Did they share it with me? No. <laughs> so for me, I knew it existed. They just wouldn't share it with me because they knew I would turn around and share it with, with everybody, whoever wanted to do a trade. So, you know, I believe that for, for the shows where we don't think that there's a recording of, I believe that somewhere out there somebody does have one. They're just holding on to it for, as I said, that type of a unicorn trade. Um, or, or like 15 years later, it'll, it'll leak because somebody's just so, so tired of holding on to it because their unicorn trade isn't, isn't going to happen, you know? Um, but, but I think that, that almost everything that this band has done has been recorded either by them or by a fan and that it does exist somewhere. It's just having the patience and the wherewithal to track it down. Yeah. Which is definitely a harkening back to sort of an older era of, uh, the older era of trading where there was a lot more involved in, you know, carefully carrying, caring for, uh, an audio tape that, you know, actually mechanically moves. Whereas now it's just like bits and bytes on a computer that, um, there isn't any scarcity to very, very interesting hiding places where security would not find it. <laughs> right. And then needing extra batteries. And then knowing yeah. that it was a 45 minute flip and what <laughs> song do you flip the tape and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot more work that went into it back then. Not that there still isn't some smuggling of uh, electronic devices that go on, I'm sure these days, but um, yeah, there's a whole lot more as we can see, you know, just from YouTube channels and, and whatnot that are full HD concerts <laughs> from YouTube. <laughs> Uh, I was going to mention in in the spirit of this that I don't know I I guess I'll say we have we at at you two have no idea how any of this works and we don't know if any of this is a, is legal or not but if you Google for u two torrents dot com you can find live stuff from you two on the internet but again we have no idea how any of that works and your mileage may vary etc cetera, etc cetera. talk to a lawyer um all right so moving on the next question was from as my browser resets here on me 
That's uh, Lyron Hollick, something like that. Uh, what's the worst way a U2 song has been used? With or without you in Friends completely ruined the song for me. Which, this is an interesting one, and I I, uh, I was trying to think, and I, I know in the moment I'm sure I've thought of them, but I couldn't come up with one um, in in the time since I saw the question. But I don't know if you guys had any questions. So the, the premise being you're watching a, a TV show, a movie, presumably a terrible one, and all of a sudden U2's music comes on. You're like, no, this is not what I want to associate <laughs> this U2 song with is this, you know, crappy movie or TV show moment or, or things like that. So anything from the, the, the crew? I would go with the song, uh, dancing barefoot, which was used in the movie threesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> does it, does it, it just didn't feel like it belonged there. <laughs> Which is their now, cover. That, that sounds a very that sounds a very strange title of a movie. I'm not sure I've, I've seen movies like that. <laughs> no, it uh, it's not an R-rated one. <laughs> oh no, no, it it starred Lara Flynn Boyle, Josh Charles, and Stephen Baldwin, and it was all about a sex comedy. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> well, I can't I can't really think of a song that that you two have used in a commercial actually i'm quite relieved in some respects that you two haven't yet gone down that route and i'm sure they're constantly played from various um commercial entities i mean the car companies would be the obvious one for like a for where the streets have no name i guess that'll be a, a classic song and they could sell their soul but i'm sure they won't do it but yeah there has been the odd time i have heard you two in the background of a social event and you think that's not so good whether it's a wedding um funeral christening or whatever sometimes i I don't know you two songs don't always seem to suit me yeah yeah oh god yeah for sure i'm sure trump's tried to use you two this year has he (laughs) no comments (laughs) i know i can think of good ones you know like hold me throw me in batman forever which was batman forever was a terrible well not terrible but just wasn't great movie but um their song and it was cool even though i think it was just the credits right if i'm not mistaken um yeah and there's been a bit of a a revival now it's the what is it the 10-year anniversary of the movie heats and always forever now is in that so i was i've been meaning to rewatch that i don't remember it when i watched it the first time but um yeah so there's some interesting ones, but yeah. I, I'm I'm sure I can answer this on behalf of Mac McGee, though for sure. Because what's the worst way an at U two uh, a U two song was used? He would undoubtedly say "Volcano" on the actual <laughs> songs, the actual songs album of uh, Innocent <laughs> album. Yeah, that and sleep like a baby or sleep like a baby yeah, tonight. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. That would be his answer. <laughs> Did you go? You know what I'm, else I don't like. No. Yeah. This is a bit of a segue, but on this topic, I was just Googling and I didn't realize in the movie Bruno, Sasha Baron Cohen's movie Bruno, Bono, I'm sure this is on yeah, at you too somewhere. It's my own ignorance here, but that Bono sings a song with Chris Martin, Elton John slash yeah, Snoop Dogg right. and Sting. <laughs> it's right at the end. Okay. It's the uh, closing credits. He has uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as, um, is it? Bruno, that's right. Has a whole bunch of um, celebrities, which he obviously gets 10 seconds of each each artist singing a song with him. I can't remember what the song was now. Yeah. It's a shame that that wasn't Oscar nominated. <laughs> it's called Dove of Peace by Bruno Bono <laughs> That's and the various. One. So. <laughs> Slightly ironic. Yeah. Fabiano in the chat room uh, mentions that the With or Without You, if you are a Friends fan, I shouldn't disparage, my wife is a big Friends fan, um, 
not that she'd want me admitting that on a podcast with a bunch of people listening, but it, I just did. So, um, but with or without you is when Ross and Rachel came together, I think. And it's, you know, a very emotional moment. So if you're into the show, it was probably a pretty moving thing. So you can stop the angry emails. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> let you have that one. <laughs> All right. So moving on the, uh, for the round table, this episode, we wanted to talk, uh, part two of sorts, I guess, of the fan survey that was sent out. So as we discussed uh, a couple episodes back, first part sort of chunk of the uh, fan survey results was released. That was parts A and B, sections A and B. And since then, uh, we've had sections C, D, E, and F, a whole bunch. So the the U2 and the web and then the band themselves albums and the songs are the sections that have been released so there's quite a bit of stuff we could cover here but uh so we'll try and sort of breeze through some stuff and and uh drill down on some more interesting ones the the first one that's kind of just fun and interesting to look at is the who is your favorite band member so um 25 percent of you were too polite and didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings and said you didn't have a favorite <laughs> uh in the of the band but uh bono not perhaps not surprisingly wins the the most here with uh 37 of the vote and edge 21 percent, and adam and larry both in the seven percent range so um any comments is this sort of expected i guess from you two fans these days yeah i think that's fairly representative i think it's usually always the lead singer the trousers, as they say, whoever's whoever's the singer of the band is usually the favourite. Is that what they say? This this would be hard if it was One Direction, right. wouldn't it? That wouldn't be so easy. <laughs> Save it for your the One wrong Direction podcast. podcast, Ivan. <laughs> what was nice though was uh, comparing them with um, 2012 figures. So Bono dropped about two percent, and Edge rose. By two percent, so um, Edge is gaining momentum. There we go. Uh, Adam Adam has uh, has also increased by point seven of a percent from 2012, and Larry has increased by about the same percentage. So uh, uh, Bono down, everybody up. <laughs> this is like our. Uh, I think Larry. I think Larry would be very pleased to be the least popular. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, I was going to say, it sounds like we're reporting on the U.S. primaries or whatever, that stuff that's going on in the States here right now. Um, but uh, anyways, we'll move on before we get political. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to call attention to some. You guys feel free to jump in and, and add, add some more. Um, the he was, Who is the most skilled musician in U2 was the other one that I jumped into. Was, and not surprisingly, again, Edge there gets 87%. And Bono and Adam both around two, and Larry at seven. And how how Bono still ranks above Adam is freaking beyond yeah. me. I'm there as well. Don't get that. Yeah, I think because there's he can the play a harmonica. Maybe yeah. I don't know. No, I think I think he started playing the triangle. It's fantastic. You want to hear the new album? <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the early recordings too, right? He used to have the triangle. Mm. They uh, well, and obviously limited guitar playing going forward right now. So. Um, We'll see if that affects whenever we do this survey again, I guess. But yeah, it's. I think maybe that's the guitar players voting down Bono, or voting down Adam, sorry, because they disparage the bass player. I think he just plays a couple notes and doesn't have to worry about stuff. And so, I don't know, something like that anyways. But yeah, it is kind of funny. Uh, I'll do one more and then uh, and then we'll someone else can call out a couple here. Um, the one other one I was wanting to talk, chat about is what is U2's worst fashion mistake? And I don't know if this question was on the... 2012 survey sharing was it was it okay was. Yeah. So, uh, the one that got the most vote is bono's blonde hair actually and 
the IE Innocence and Experience Tour. So obviously that wouldn't have been around back in 2012, but what was it back then? Uh, back in 2012, it was a very close uh, uh, a winner though. So Adam's Afro on the October album beat out Bono's mullet circa 84 to 85 by only three tenths of a percentage. So uh, uh, looking at, you know, once Bono makes a new fashion mistake, just how much everything else falls by the wayside. Right. So, so Bono's blonde hair, uh, 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 IE tour era got 31.6% of the vote. And then Bono's mullet came in second <laughs> with 14.8% of the vote. And then Adam's fro came in third with 10% of the vote. And of course you, you do have about 15% of the people who said none of the above. So I would love to know if you felt none of the above, what really was their worst fashion mistake right. <laughs> or did they just not have one, which would be just amazing. That's maybe the, we, I forget what the t- contingents of Canadians are that uh, responded to this, but that's maybe the Canadians being polite and, and not wanting to, again, just like with the favorite band member, they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So they'll just say, I don't have a favorite. None of them are bad because they're all good. I'm sorry for even responding. Although I do have to say, though, that because all the focus was on Bono, Larry's longer hair, Vertigo Tour era, dropped down to just under 5% this year. And in 2012, it was at almost 13%. So uh, Bono finally, you know, took away the shame from Larry's long hair from 2005. Any fashion commentary from our European uh, fashionistas? Well, I happened to see Bono quite up close at the O2. And I have to say, I was bemused by the haircut. Um, in fact, I think we called it the Bonold. <laughs> in tribute to Donald Trump, because it didn't look right. Oh, no. <laughs> it didn't look right. I have to be honest with you. I didn't know whether it was going to bite me. His haircut. It looked. It, did, it looked it, a bit strange. It, it looked did. like he had taken lot. a cockatoo and just put it right up there. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of hairspray going on there. So there was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that might end up being the title of the episode, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else want to call out one of the uh, survey results, or I can keep going if. Uh... <laughs> I, I was wanting to just pick up the least favorite album um, mm. piece. Uh, and the reason I'm calling it out, it, for all those who do visit the forum, and that's obviously where I, I live and support uh, at U2 site, uh, and October gets called out there, and I'm a big lover of October. Yeah. Um, and, and forever in a day, it's. Uh, it bemuses me, but that, then again, that's just simply because I do like the the, the album so much. Um, but it just consistently falls at the bottom of the ranks, mm. and and Kenny, I, I it just sorry. it frustrates me. There you go, Kenny. I also think as well that it depends when you got into you too, and whether something like October was contemporary to you. And I mean, I became a fan really just between October and War, but. I only had two albums to go back to, so October and Boy were felt quite fresh to me. But if if you became a fan, say, I don't know, just say you became a fan in the late 1990s, then October yeah. would probably sound very dated. And people say to me, oh, you know, Boy October, they sound so dated. I can't hear it, but that's because it was contemporary to me when I first heard it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that depends. Yeah. 
influence a lot, doesn't it? I think it's the sound of the album probably makes as big of influence as the songs because the songs aren't actually that bad. There's a f- there's probably a few duffers on there, but there's a few duffers on every album. <laughs> I think that is yeah. definitely it for me. Um, and uh, yeah, the the just the, even the production value or whatever of of October compared to newer stuff. And I don't I don't anticipate you two ever doing this. But, you know, in the vein of other artists who've like re-recorded a whole album or something, it'd be so interesting to hear how they would do the same thing if they had, you know, the same songs, same lyrics, same arrangements, but just with modern, you know, techniques or whatever and, and stuff and to see what it would sound like. And, um, but yeah, that to me is the, it's the biggest sort of initial turnoff is some of the production, but I still listen to some of the older stuff. I'm curious what, say, Kenny, what, if October wouldn't be your least favorite, which one, if you want to reveal and start a war, uh, what was your least favorite U2 album? Oh, if, if, if I mention this, I'll be, I won't be able to venture onto the forum again. For, for a long, long time, I struggled with pop. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I can I can feel me getting slated all over the place here. Um, it's it's um, I, that was actually a period I fell out of love with you two. So it was. I actually it's the one tour I'd missed because the first time I saw them was in the war tour, and it's the one tour I've missed since then. Um, and I'm not quite sure if I was. Uh, I, I'm never really entirely sure why. And it's interesting you talk about production because I think production was part of it, although it's been argued many many times. Uh, particularly in the forum, that, that that isn't the case, or that there isn't really an issue with that. But that would, I would say, that's probably my least favourite. I, I have to say though, um, it, it, it's crept up in terms of my my like factor. But I would say pop, actually. Yeah. Tumbleweed moment. <laughs> How about anybody else, Sherry or, or Aaron? Do you want to confess what your vote was for this one? Uh, my vote was more. Which I know Tasula will. Uh, Good God, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I just never could connect with that album, yeah. and I still can't. Yeah, and that's fair. That's what I think. I mean, we joke, but obviously, at some point, some album is going to be your least favorite of all of them. You, well, I guess technically, twenty-one percent of the people voted and said they don't have a least favorite. Which is more than I think the Canadians. Percent said original soundtracks, and technically that's a Passengers album. Yeah, so if you want to, you know, hiding the fact that they didn't like what they released, so they just came up with a new band name, so it couldn't count as a U two record. (laughs) So taking that one out, then October is the like Kenny was saying is the least favorite, I guess. Although I've always wondered with October, had his lyrics not been stolen. And the lyrics were more along the lines of what the lyrics were going to be for for war anyway. How how different if you could take a uh, 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 a trip back in time? How different could you two's career and 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 all all the uh, other factors along with it would it would have been had those original lyrics been part of their second album? Yeah, it's one of those alternate because, timelines. Because October, to me, you know, knowing that it was rushed, knowing that you know they they only had so so much time in the studio, they had to get this album out. They had to they had a deadline that was impossibly uh, uh, important. 
that I don't think that that was the album that the band wanted to release, but they had to. So mm. they made the best out of it. So for me, I don't even count October in the in the whole grand scheme of things because that wasn't the album that they wanted to do in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I was saying, it's one of those alternate timeline things where it'd be interesting to see where everything goes. And maybe they peak with October all of a sudden and then everything else doesn't go as well because they have too much success or whatever too. You can go sort of both ways with that. But um the one that's the one question that's kind of so one of those sad ones to sort of think about, and it's like we were talking about earlier in the show, is how much longer will you two be together and making new music? And um, everybody, the overwhelming response was, you know, the one that has <laughs> at least the, the longest, 13 years or more, was 33%. Um, I don't know, Sherry, if you, I didn't get, you, we're not like comparing notes here exactly, but if, if that one is pulled up by chance on, on the 2012 version, um, how that compares, because obviously, four years is a long time in, in music and, and things. So, um, but what do you, th- what do you guys think? Is that like, as we said, you know, they're all mid fifties now. So 13 years or more is, uh, almost 70. <laughs> they would be putting music out together. So is that realistic? I mean, I understand being hopeful for it for, for sure, but, uh, Kenny, go ahead. No, all I was going to say was I, I certainly, I voted 47 years with hope, with the hope being sort of seven, eight-ish. So I was somewhere in between that. I, I can't see them doing it for 13 or more years. Um, I'd love them to. Um, or maybe they will still make music, but they certainly won't tour, I guess, uh, much longer, I don't think. Um, but I just I just can't see that as being as being realistic, to be honest. I do get a sense sometimes, albeit, Maybe on this tour, I'm probably less convinced because I thought they they really got into it. But um, I do sometimes wonder about their energy levels for it and and them getting themselves uh, up for it. It does seem to take a long, long time uh, to make uh, an album and music uh, these days. But uh, so I think that's wishful thinking, perhaps, to be honest. And I don't know if I could cope with a a 70 year old Bono with (laughs) uh, highlighted. Yeah, again, actually, to be quite frank. It would be purple or blue at that point. <laughs> It'd be a blue rinse, wouldn't it, for sure? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm hopeful as well. I, I, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic about it. I just don't think that we're going to see the big, big tours of the past. What I'm hoping, I'll be honest with you, my, my hope is I'd rather them quit than just doing a tour for no reason. Um, you know, I, I don't want them to become like the Rolling Stones, like the Who. The only th- good thing about you two is that we still have the same four guys. It's 40 years later. Is it September, I think? The band is 40 years old. They've been recording pretty much now for 37 years. They're not as prolific, and each album seems to take so long to record you know there's always this false hope bono's always telling everybody the edge is on fire <laughs> crikey god knows how many times he's been put out of the fire but he's he's you know and the next thing you hear oh we've done hardly any songs this is the latest news we're getting from from edge it seems in his rolling stone interview but i don't know it's it, it's the hope that gets to you i think or you too sometimes you know you can cope with the despair but the hope really does get to you See, I found this answer kind of tricky, um, tricky to give when I was taking the survey, because you know where they are in their um, in their lives at the moment. 
you know, they don't need to make music if they don't want to. Um, They don't need the money, you know, the whole relevance argument that, that we've been around the block with and so on. Um, Knowing that their live nation contract is going to expire in 2020 and what's next, you know, Mm. um, um, I think I might've actually answered this one as, as a, um, as in four to seven years, uh, just to get get through and to tie tie up loose ends and just you know enjoy retirement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't see them pulling a Rolling Stones. Well, and they're kind of. I mean, I know that some of them have younger kids and stuff, and they're all their kids are all kind of all over the map in terms of ages. But like, you know. Uh, it's not far off to picture or imagine Bono being a grandpa or whatever and in terms of age of kids and stuff. And so like, I know just in everybody's lives, that sort of changes things. All of a sudden you're back home again, more grandparents tend to sort of come around. And so- Well, Edge is already a grandpa. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's twice, twice over, I think, Edge is now. Probably. Oh, there you go. I'll have to update my mental block of- Edge as grandpa now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that I mean, that kind of thing just changes family life, obviously, and as much as they're rock stars and everything else, but they are also uh, parents, grandparents, et cetera, cousins, uncles, all those kinds of things. And that, yeah, that certainly does affect it. And um, so it's, it is hard because you see in a way that I don't remember seeing, sensing even from folk, like the Rolling Stones are often referenced because they're obviously still going and stuff. You don't see them having, they, they enjoy being on stage a bit, but it doesn't have, they don't have that fire that, you two seems to get on stage. Whereas, um, so we'll see, I guess how that translates into the future. They're but. in the studio for the first time in a decade now. Mm. So, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of those recordings mm-hmm. uh, with the stones. If it sounds like everything that they've already done for the past 50 years, or <laughs> if they've actually got something different to say, <laughs> uh, any Sherry or any, do you guys have another question you want to pull out of the, of the list? I, I, Got a bunch of tabs open here. I can go down, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I do one, actually. Oh, the, go ahead, uh, Aaron. He sorry, first. it was just the it was just the comment about looking at the albums. I mean, you, you, the one thing that that is obvious is that the U two audience is now very much time frozen. So the 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 opportunity of getting new fans is less so. Obviously, that's quite clear, and you can tell as well. You know, predominantly, we're all in our mid forties to mid fifties, and the majority of us. We're all listening still to CDs. You know, the kids would never clue what a CD is anymore. Um, I, I was disappointed that you couldn't vote for, do you own any of the albums on A-Track? Because I certainly do. <laughs> and that wasn't even an option. I was disappointed with Matt uh, in that respect. I sent him a strongly worded letter. I, I laser disc, beta <laughs> yeah, laser disc, DCC, all of those things. It wasn't there. I mean, it's just disgraceful. But... <laughs> The the, 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 the the one nice thing is that on most of the albums, there's no overwhelming song that predominates on on, on, a, on an album. There's So it kind of shows that actually the U2 favorite songs on each album, there's nothing overwhelming. Every album is regarded, you know, as a as a broad piece of work. And I think that that was quite a good feedback. You know, even the, the number one singles, I think on Act and Baby, The Fly, was actually probably one of the least popular. But when it's played live, everybody loves it. But as a recorded piece, it's not so popular. What, what and was I was I was very surprised to see Ultraviolet was the top one, but it was only 12%, which is pretty much its percentage anyhow. You, you know, there's only, what, 11 tracks on the album? So, you know, uh, 
that was quite good to see that representation, I thought. What was fun was was going through each of the albums and looking at the top vote getters and how many of those songs were incorporated in the Innocence and Experience tour, either either in that song um, song two slot um, or in yeah. um, in in out on the B stage as they would rotate the songs through. So I have to wonder if some of that voting was kind of swayed because you just heard the songs live not too long ago and, and, and you're remembering just how awesome they are. But oh, going yeah. to, to, um, Ak baby, as you were pointing out with, um, ultraviolet and the fly out of all of the albums, so Octung Baby was the overwhelming choice for favorite U2 album in the survey. And yeah. then looking at the breakdown of the songs that were um, selected, it was the most evenly distributed uh, 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 pie chart out of every single mm-hmm. album that was, that was listed there. It was really hard to pick a favorite. Um, you know, there was only one percentage point that, that separated ultraviolet from one and then another one percentage that uh, separated one from until the end of the world. Whereas you have other albums where, where you go to the unforgettable fire and bad is, is overwhelmingly the favorite with a 46% vote. And, um, and then you go to um, Zuropa and stays right up there at almost 38%. You know, there were very few albums that um, that had uh, uh, such a clear-cut winner as as bad and the Unforgettable Fire, and rightfully so, in my opinion. Um, but thinking through the the average age of the person who was taking the survey. Um, um, you're you're dealing with with an aging audience, and if you go back and and look at all of the other surveys that our site has has done over the past decade now, you've been able to see how that um, audience has been aging along with the survey. Either that, or that's just our own readership, and and we don't have youngins coming over to our site taking care of that but that would explain you know why 62 percent of the people like their albums on cd (laughs) and only 23 percent like it digitally um um, you're seeing that that generational preference there and you know looking at songs of innocence the top three vote getters were every breaking wave iris and song for someone um miracle of joey Ramon, which was the the lead song and the first mm. album, or rather the first track off the album, scored very low out of the rest of the album. So um, I'm 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 still surprised by what the average YouTube fan uh, um, demographic is as we continue doing all these surveys uh, um, every few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I would be remiss if I didn't mention. You know, there is we we have on the staff obviously younger fans and older fans, and there's a, a a healthy mix certainly when you go to a concert and stuff like that. And so it can be easy to generalize and assume or whatever. But I know um, it definitely you know you two as a band is. <laughs> 
trending towards the older older crowd. Um, they did try out Snapchat. They, you know, we'll we'll see what happens again in terms of reaching. But yeah, kid, the kids these days they don't read the blogs, so that's why that's why they're not answering the surveys on the blogs. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, the uh, it is funny, like look, just thinking of that in, in broad strokes of the survey is, you know, Acting Baby obviously is is a very pivotal album, and and for a lot of folks, myself included, that's kind of there and was my entry point into U two, and so uh, you know, it's reasonable to see the sort of results skew that way, where uh, that album features fairly heavily, and um, so, but you know, as and as they release new albums and and things in the future, we'll see what happens, I guess, with some of this. The the one last one I wanted to mention is an area that's like, I don't know, I don't really think of U2 as having, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think this through before I say it, but it might be scandalous or whatever, but uh, U2 is having great music videos for their albums or for their songs. And not to say that they have terrible ones, but um, you know, all the, the, what is your favorite U2 music video? The one that still sticks out as the most popular, despite what I was just saying about Akhtang being sort of the entry point is where the streets have no name. Um, you know, a very iconic video filmed on the rooftop, all that kind of stuff. Um, but is there, and obviously the day of the music video being the way you promote an album is, has passed quite a, quite a while ago, I think. But um, on that one, I guess, is there anything, what did you guys vote for and what do you think of uh, U2's music video creation history? I went for Numb, actually. That was the one that for me is the most memorable because it's mm-hmm. just so strange. Um, and I just loved the song anyhow, but... Uh, I don't think you two make great videos, anyhow. I don't even, you know, even in the days of MTV, they were never really a video band. You know, they never made any classic videos. You know, where where the streets was, yeah, it's good, but it's not, it's not great in terms of other bands' uh, videos. You know, uh, I don't think they'll ever go down in in history as being a, a great video band. I think it makes sense, though, that almost forty two percent voted for Octane Baby for best overall lyrics, when you translate that into the music video and knowing that Octane Baby and Zoo TV was this visual blitzkrieg coming at Ooh. you, mm-hmm. the translation of the overall lyrics into a visual form, when you've got three videos for, for the song One, you've got multiple videos for... Um, mysterious ways because of all the remixes it felt like they poured a lot of time energy effort money into the music videos for octane baby got what they needed out of it and then uh i think about the videos for um for the songs off of pop and how out there they were um um i still remember you know charles uh, who was it? Charles Bukowski. Um, mm. um, at the end of um, last oh, night. William Burroughs. Uh, William Burroughs. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At the end of um, last night on Earth, where they shut down an entire highway in Kansas City, ticking off a lot of people to shoot this this very out there video. Um, as as MTV and the whole video medium has shifted. Um, that's not where they're putting a lot of their energy. But back in 91 and 92, that was where it was at, and they poured energy and, and resources into it. Um, and and since that was our entry point into the band anyway, uh, for many of us, was Octung Baby. Um, 
I'm surprised that a lot more Octane Baby esque videos didn't uh, um, didn't fare higher mm-hmm. on that. What is your favorite YouTube music video? Yeah, Kenny, how about you? What's what's your favorite uh, YouTube v- music video? Um, uh, there's a bit of a theme coming through here with my sort of eighties 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 liking. I actually voted Unforgettable Fire um, because I um, I remember. Well, A, I remember when the album came out thinking, whoa, um, because it was so, so different. Uh, and I remember at the time trying really, really hard as an aside to get into Elvis Presley in America, thinking I'm going to crack this song. <laughs> but I remember when uh, uh, I saw the video for Unforgettable Fire, and it just for me, it kind of summed up where they were. It felt, I think that was the nearest you got to a true... Uh, well, it's maybe a big statement, but certainly at the time, and and it was just another another step in the direction of them growing as a band. I think visually, it's um, atmospheric, if that's the right terminology, which kind of fitted in line with the with the whole album. That whole album was such a game changer, um, and um, it's just something I I stick with. And I, and you know, I I I I was actually a bit of a fan of. Uh, Bono's mullet, um, <clears throat> but um, um, probably even had one myself actually. Um, but um, which may have oh, had something to, see to that do photograph. with it. <laughs> <laughs> they are well buried, let me tell you. Um, but um, no, I, I just I just like the the whole aspect of that video because I think it sums up the album uh, for me. I don't think they're a great video band to be honest um and you know um i think there's probably some there's some in there that i wouldn't be surprised if they they wouldn't mind forgetting about themselves and i mean you mentioned red hill earlier on and i remember being fairly desperate to see it myself Uh, and then when i did i was i I could actually completely understand uh why they they hadn't released it um so there, there was definitely some some errors in there but unforgettable fire for me apart from the fact it's a fantastic song um but i just i really like i really like how that was all shot and i think it just fitted so well with with the time and with the album and where they went um and it's certainly one that i go back to quite regularly yeah, and in the chat room, as folks are listening, there there is like I I shouldn't say I don't think I think YouTube fans love a lot of YouTube's videos. There's, there's no doubt that as fans we love their stuff, and and it's it speaks to us and is creative, and we see the the inspiration for it. But just in terms of sort of broader strokes of music videos, as you compare them to other artists of their era and time and place and stuff like that, that Octang era kind of sticks out to me too. And um, but. Yeah, it, it's it's a medium that I'm sure I know they appreciate because they you know they have done it with with other artists now uh, for this the last album where they had some different music videos by some different uh, video or producers and and album or videos that they weren't even in necessarily but sort of spoke to the themes of the songs and stuff like that that were very beautiful. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not a promotional vehicle really in the same sense of the way it was. Uh, and I think going back to what I think Aaron and Kenny were you saying when you were, you know, when you first got into U2 and all that was available was October, let's say, or whatever, um, uh, for me getting into Act Tongue and then there's like this wealth of like singles and B-sides and music videos and and then the, the Zoo TV concert tour thing and like you know, all this stuff that just because kind of like it wasn't just getting into a band with one album right in front of me that it was kind of fun there was just tons of stuff to explore as a yeah as a, a new fan at the time. So 
um, yeah, it's, I think it's why, like Sherry said, I'm just basically repeating what Sherry said, so I'll, I'll just shut up. But <laughs> is there, a- I think as well, I think as well, you know why I'm just thinking here, you know, it's a fair point. Um, my, my, um, connection with the band at the time, particularly in the eighties, cause you know, apart from the odd chance I managed to go and see them, um, was uh, like posters on the wall. Um, so you, your, your media piece wasn't as developed as it is now. So so maybe that's why that felt fairly innovative to me, that whole video um, piece as well with the Unforgettable Fire. I, I don't know. I'm just, sorry, I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. But, you know, I think there mm. definitely is something with that. And, and obviously, you know, it's so more accessible now to actually see the band in any shape or form you want now, whereas back in those old <coughs> days, um it wasn't, yeah. So it was it was actually something quite unique to 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 be able to kind of access the band that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's probably why that era has stuck with me particularly. Yeah, definitely. That's that's where for me the Zoo TV tour or that era, like because actually seeing the Zoo TV live VHS, I was a little bit ahead of the the eight tracks and stuff. But seeing that concert on VHS was kind of like my gateway into this band and and seeing what the live performance was like, and then kind of working my way backwards. But um, the and that was the first uh, um, album where they released um, a VHS tape of all their videos. You know the uh, yeah. the um, interviews and old, yeah yeah cameos interference yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And 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 for any of the other albums that they've done, they've always tacked on the videos as as a uh, as part of their deluxe edition or whatever. But but they packaged everything from Octoon mm. Baby uh, um, separately, which is probably why when you look at the survey about which album has produced the best collection of music videos, Octoon Baby far surpasses everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We had a whole theme, didn't it? That was that was the difference. Yeah, and Lisseth in the chat has mentioned that all the women will vote for Electrical Storm, of course, which <laughs> didn't actually hold true. I don't think I can't remember what the gender breakdown was on the on the on the <laughs> list, but uh, that one uh, didn't live up to. So all the what it, which what is it in that video? I'm, I'm assuming it's Larry shirtless in the ocean, is what? Oh, I, oh, it's all about Larry. Yeah, absolutely. However, Electrical Storm did. Uh, uh, get the highest vote for uh, favorite B side. Yeah, so maybe just the memory of this, like listening to the song and remembering. <laughs> I don't know. We won't go down that trail. It's the fantasy, Larry, <laughs> in your dreams. You can listen to it and believe that you were Samantha Morton. Right, and so he, he was me thinking it was all about the waves. Yeah. I was just going to say, we'll wait for the uh, VR version of that music video to appear someday. (laughs) On that note, maybe we should wrap up before we get into too much more trouble. Uh, Maybe listening out there, you have your favorite question or or comment or or thing about the the fan survey. There's still, uh, is there more? I forget now. (laughs) It feels like we've been talking about it forever. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there's more coming out there's more to come so we'll we'll definitely discuss it on future episodes of the podcast uh, but if you have a favorite thing you want to call out or mention from the survey thus far or you know when something is released be sure to use hashtag ask at you too on twitter and, and you can throw a link to the discussion to the that particular survey result if you want and and want your comment or or just mention it and we'll we'll figure out what you what you mean but we'd love to include your comments in future episodes of the show as i discussed or mentioned we we do record live often so goodstuff.fm slash live is where we record if you follow the at you 2 atu2 account on twitter 
Uh, you'll see us tweet out when we're about to go live, typically Wednesday evenings, or in this case, Thursday afternoons in sort of North American time zones or, uh, yeah, time zones are, are not my forte. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Kenny, what, what time is it in your world right now? We'll just. It's, uh, it's 20 to 11. So. Yeah. Uh, so if you're over in Kenny's world, over in Europe there somewhere, <laughs> we'll just sort of do broad strokes. Then, uh. <laughs> we sometimes record Thursday evenings, I guess. So um, we would love to have you take part, listen in live as we record. There's a chat room, as you can hear, and folks leave, give comments and correct us on things we make mistakes about, all that kind of stuff. Um, well, let's run down the list here. Kenny, where can folks find you on, on the internets if they want to argue with you about October being a great album? <laughs> <laughs> and many of them do, let me tell you. Um, I'm at Sing No More uh, on Twitter. Um, I think that's it, actually. And then I'm obviously a, one of the forum mods, so please come along and say hello and say nice things to me. <laughs> there we go. That's at youtube.com slash forum, right, is the link, I want to say? Yes, nope. it is. Oh, oops. Forum. Or forum.adu2.com, yeah. There we go. That'll get you there. Um, uh, Aaron or Ivan the Terrible, how how can folks find you? <laughs> well, I'm I'm known as at Ivano, that's I-V-A-N-O-B-E on Twitter. Um yeah, please send me send me a direct message, whatever you want to do. I'm more than happy to uh, to respond. Yeah, and you're part of the you weren't in the discussion last episode, right? But you were part of the sort of YouTube tours staff. Yeah, discussion. that's right. I, that that's my official role. I mean, I keep saying to Matt, "What is it, Matt, that I actually do?" But he hasn't yet come back to me. That's because once he tells you, then he might have to start paying you, and then it just gets complicated. So. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and <laughs> Sherry, how about you? Where can folks find you on the internet? You can always find me at at YouTube Sherry. And before we conclude, Matt McGee wanted us oh, yes. to, uh, um, uh, we are contractually obligated to state <laughs> the following. <clears throat> I am thrilled to see that my fellow YouTube fans agree with me that California is a better song than both Sleep Like a Baby Tonight and Volcano. It proves what good taste YouTube fans have in general. <laughs> All right. I'll put an official well, trumpet sound before that or something so people know. I've said it before and I say it again. He's rigged that vote. Volcano <laughs> is so much better. <laughs> All right. And I'm iChris on Twitter. And uh, you can also find this podcast if you want previous episodes. Like I mentioned, episode 29, we discussed the tours database stuff that uh, is going on at YouTube.com. And yeah, previous 29 episodes of the show at goodstuff.fm slash ATU2. Twitter.com slash ATU2 and Facebook.com slash ATU2.com is where you can also come and discuss plenty of ways to interact with the show, with the podcast, with the website. The theme music that you'll be hearing as you leave the show is brought to you by Simon Peta at Simon Peta and a link to his creative process behind making the song that sounds like you too, but isn't you too, and uh, all that kind of stuff is in the show notes as well. So thanks to him for sending in some music for us to leave the show with. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. See you next time. Bye.